The Plumley Pod, episode 16. Prepare to lift the lid on all things education, not indoctrination. Your voice of reason for home education. The Plumley Pod. Welcome to the Plumley Pod. I'm your host, Sarah Plumley, and today's guest is James from Plymouth. James is a father of two, and he has a secondary school age and a primary school age son and a daughter. Welcome to the show, James. Thank you for having me. Well, it was a little while ago that I got in touch with you via, uh, I think it was Twitter or something like that, and I became aware that you had some kind of interest in possibly home educating one or both of your children. So I thought it it was high time I got a catch up with you, and I thought, what better way to do it than on the Plumley Pod? So what's happening? Where are you up to? And in the main, what, what made you think of it? What made you think of possibly home educating your children? Well, it's something that I know I should be doing, really. I know that the education they're receiving is poor, they're deliberately poor. And uh, so the only reason I haven't done it yet is mainly because I'm working and also because I'm just too lazy, which isn't really any excuse. So I'm still trying to get things sorted before my son goes to secondary school, which is whenever the next year is, he's going from primary to secondary. And I'm quite concerned about that move, particularly because uh, he's a very bright boy, and uh, he, but he's also a bit of a follower. So. You said, uh, I, I know I should be homeschooling. Now, apart from because you listen to me and I always say that, what, what else makes you think that? Why do you, why do you feel, why do you sense that you should be, be home educating? Because from my research, I think that the education system was bought and paid for by private interests a long time ago. And the and curriculum is written deliberately to hamper children's development, <laughs> which it makes it even worse. I'm not, still not doing it. But I do teach them things at home. I, I teach them to question everything they're told but you know it's just the whole thing pretty much everything they're taught is it's just acceptance of things they should never accept it's sort of like a you know almost like a prison system you know everything's time there's bells there's control it's just everything i'm against really Wow, that's a whole whole pile to unpack there i don't disagree with anything you've just said but it's wonderful to hear it from a parent because it seems to me that there are not very many parents that are awake to what the state of the school system is at this present moment in time. Twitter's a prime example. You have lots of parents who are angry about the last two years. They're angry about politics. They're angry about big pharma, big food, but they're pro keeping the schools open and having their children in the schools. And uh, I'm, I'm struggling as a teacher, having worked in schools, I'm struggling to reconcile how they can be so anti all of the other establishments, but pro the establishment of school. Is that your experience? And where do you think this comes from? <laughs> yes, it is my experience. Uh, I find it hard to talk to people, to be honest, because everybody wants to say, oh, my son's doing this in school. They've got into this school. Or you know, On Facebook, people are actually proud because their son or daughter's got into some mediocre performing school you know, in, in which they'll just be essentially just taught how to pass GCSEs with the impression that they're just going to have to work till they're 68 years old. Uh, yeah, it's very difficult to speak to anyone about it, to be honest, because almost everybody I know, they like it. I know it's very hard to sort of tell why other people are doing something and what they're thinking, but 
what is it that makes them see other aspects of institutions that are appalling? And they, they see big pharma for what it is. They might see their politicians for what they are, which isn't very much at all, is it? They see that, but they don't, when it comes to schools, why are they not seeing that as part of the same type of institution as all of the other things, banking, medicine, politics? I think because maybe because they've been through it themselves and, and the world that they've gone into is been unquestioned. So then they, they put their children into the same system unquestioned. So it's like they think that, you know, oh, we've got to learn English, we've got to learn maths, we've got to do this, which is obviously true. But it's the underlying the message that they're getting given in school and the things they're taught to tacitly accept that without any question, such as, you know, the idea that we need to be ruled or, or that, you, you know, we, we need people that have alleged authority to, to tell us what to do, or, or, you know, maybe this is going a bit extreme, but I'm an anarchist, so I, I know that a government is illegitimate in, in itself, and so, you know, the, the government isn't going to educate children to know the truth about government, so we have state education, and that's why we have private educated kids that are in positions of power, and they know how the system works, they know how they work, they learn things like psychology and logic and other things that our kids don't get taught in school. I know I've learned things when I was an adult that I know I should have been taught as children, but that would have helped me greatly when I was when I was growing up, such as being able to pick apart an, an illogical argument, know about um, logical fallacies, know about basic logic. They know nothing. They can be so easily confused and, and they can be made to believe things that are untrue simply because they can't reason correctly. And this is the problem. And, and they mean well, but then what happens is you get that they come to sort of 14, 15, 16 years old, they're coming home and they're saying, uh, oh, we need to save the planet. And uh, we, you know, you shouldn't be driving your car on a Sunday. And they don't see any problem with using control to change people's behavior as long as they believe it's for the greater good. And I personally think there's a little, little bit of communism that seems to be taught in schools, the idea that their individuality must be sacrificed for the, for the greater good or, or the common purpose or whatever. And in fact, Justin Trudeau only recently was interviewed and he said, you know, you Canadians who've done this, your, your, your sacrifices were for this good for this country, for the collective. It's like with the Borg. They want us to be part of the Borg. I'll stop talking for a moment. That was great. I completely agree. I've seen the adjusting crudo, as I call him, absolutely appalling excuse of a human being. Just unbelievable. Unbelievable. It's chilling listening to him. I can't think of another word for it. He's just... Honestly, yeah, it, it, it is. It frightens me. He's, I feel like I'm in a cult when I listen to him. I'm in some sort of cult that he's created. He's the cult absolutely. leader and I, I must worship him. It's revolting. You mentioned um, being an anarchist. Yes. Just unpack that a little bit, because people hear the word anarchist and they think, oh my God, there's going to be fire, there's going to be Yeah, bombs, they do. They think, going... they think it's going to be chaos, don't they? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what okay, do you mean uh, by Anarchism that? literally means without rulers, no rulers, not no rules. There, there's, there, there's, there are rules and we are, we are supposed to, well, we know them inherently within ourselves because we know we feel bad when we hurt someone or upset someone or do something wrong or whatever. But the very idea that there's such a thing as someone who has authority is illogical and in, in itself, but trying to get people to realize that. So it, like, someone can give authority over their body on their behalf, yet they somehow believe they can give it over my body on my behalf and also suggest that because I was born in a country that I must sacrifice my liberty you know, for their safety because they, you know, it, the, the whole, yeah. So anarchism is basically the, the knowledge of that there isn't any need for rulers. And in fact, 
rulers are evil in themselves and government is a form. Government is ruled by force. Laws are commands that must be obeyed. And taxation is theft. Once people realize those unquestionable truths, then we might get somewhere. But I didn't realize it. And I was a government believer. And I used to believe, I used to be a little bit of a socialist when I was younger. And, and uh, now I realize that anything within it isn't on the end. Any government of any type is inherently immoral and must be eradicated before we can progress to what we can truly be as humans. I uh, heard recently, I, I watched something on, I very rarely watch anything that's from the, uh, the mainstream platforms, but I did see something called the Monopoly on Violence, the Monopoly on Violence. It was on Amazon Prime, I think, and it was fascinating. There was a wonderful quote, which just talks about what you've been going on about with regards to anarchism. And uh, a guy called Pierre-Joseph Proudhon said, to be governed is to be watched, inspected, spied on, directed, law-driven, numbered, regulated, enrolled, indoctrinated, preached at, controlled, checked, estimated, valued, censored, commanded by creatures. <laughs> commanded by creatures yeah. who have neither the right, nor the wisdom, nor the virtue to do so. And I thought, nailed it. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. What it comes down to is that the word rights is what, once people understand what rights are and that they don't come from government or any man and that we're all equal, as we, allegedly, we get told this anywhere, Everybody, we're all equal apart from this MP or this policeman who doesn't have to obey the same rules as me. He can assault me for doing things that I don't think, he doesn't think I should be doing, but if I do the same to him, then, you know, it's, it's different. It's, and it's accepted mainly because people are scared of freedom. They're scared, they're scared of that if, and they always say to me, um, well, if, what if we didn't have the police? The criminals would take over. And I'm like, what do you think's happening now? You know, who's in, they're not, do you think they're not criminals? They're psychopaths. They're worse. They're, they're psychopathic criminals who have used their knowledge and power to get an advantage over the people that don't have any knowledge, really, about their own selves or the world. And it's frustrating for me. I think there's the, a deliberate obfuscation around the we're all equal thing, because when you say we're all equal, mm -hmm. I think what you're meaning is in the eyes of a creator or in the eyes of the law, we ought to be and are equal. But of course, absolutely, yes. it's deliberately misinterpreted, is it not, by people with, with vested interests such as corporations, politics, they kind of make out this, this that we're all equal means that, oh, we could all do the same in maths. We could all be anything we wanted yes. to be, which of yes. course is complete nonsense. Yes. I wanted to play football for Manchester yeah. United, but I was the wrong gender. Um, they weren't going to let a girl play. <laughs> they just weren't. Alex Ferguson no. never saw me play, but if he had, he still wouldn't have picked me because I was a girl. So it's not true that <laughs> we, we are all equal in, in those sets. We, we have different Absolutely skills, not. don't we? We have things that we're suck at and things that we're brilliant at. And therefore, I agree, they're, yes. they're using this deliberately, oh, we're all equal, and they're, they're deliberately making people misinterpret that as something it's not. Yes. I think they also what also happens is they make people believe they can do things when they can't do it, when they can't do them, or they won't be able to do them. If someone's, if someone's not actually able to do something, or you know, there's obviously levels of intellect that people have, and some people, I wanted to be a forensic scientist when I was younger, and there, there was, at the time there was only like 20 a year, so they were quite blunt and said, you're almost certainly not going to get in, because you'd need to be you know, like a, almost a genius at the moment to do it. So it's like, yeah. But yeah, but in terms of what you said, everybody's equal in terms of we all have the same rights. That is that we can do anything as long as it doesn't cause harm. If someone else believes it causes harm, 
doesn't really make any difference what they believe. If it only matters if it does. So when the policeman says to me, "You can't drink in this park because there's a sign there," and I'm not harming anyone, it doesn't make any difference. But it does make a difference because if I actually, um, you know, defend myself when he tries to assault me, then I'll be classed as the one who assaults him. And the public, because of their brainwashing and and belief that the policeman has authority, would automatically assume that I was in the wrong. It's basically brainwashing of an entire. Masses of people, the whole world, believe that we need to be ruled and that this is necessary. You mentioned earlier that you were um, a recovering socialist. Don't worry, I'm not judging. So am I. Yeah. Don't tell anybody. Yeah. So am I. Don't say anything. Yeah, uh, I think you go through those stages in your life, don't you? I was born into a particularly uh, sort of hard left family and uh, most unfortunate. We best not go there. <laughs> what, what I want to know is what did it for you? When did you realise that this socialism stuff wasn't actually what they were selling it as? What made you, I hate the word what woke you up, but what made you realise that things were not quite what they seemed? I don't know really. It, it, it took a little bit of a while, I think, but it sounds good on its face. Like, okay, well, just everybody will get, like the, the whole idea of, um, what the, I used to be a fan of the welfare state and the NHS, and now I realize that they're not really serving us. They're really just getting us dependent and, and keeping us sick. But it's like, I, I, I'm not really sure what the pivotal moment was. I think it was when I really truly realized that natural law, I suppose, when I really started to realize that there's laws in, in effect that, that I wasn't really aware of. I was aware of them, but not not like, consciously aware of obviously we all, we all know it but when I started to really study um, natural law and, and that sort of thing and realise what rights really were and then it, it's obvious that no matter what anyone's aims are even if they're benevolent or you, you, it doesn't really make any difference because if they're forcing people to do things or stopping people from doing things that they have a right to do they're, they're immoral people and the whole it's sort of like a black and white I sort of realised there was a black and a white and there was no grey yeah, that's what it was. I don't know what the switch was, but now it's everything's become very clear for me now. It's very, I can argue a lot easier with people because it's it's very simple and very and the truth is always simple. And I realise that now, and it it takes effort. And all these so-called clever people, they they sound so clever with their long words and they have their long scientific papers to try and do this and that. But when you really get down to it, it's very simple, and they and they need to to obfuscate it and make it complicated to fool people. Yeah, but I was fooled till probably, I think the birth of my daughter was when I started to wake up a bit and, and she's 13 now. But before that, I was a little bit into conspiracies, but now I'm, I'm sort of different now. Yeah. What was made you change your, your view on socialism? Oh, goodness. I think the first time the tax man robbed me, I think that's what did it personally. I think it was yeah. <laughs> the realisation that I was like, it wasn't an emergency tax code. It was... Because I think I worked some extra hours over the summer holidays. I had a job whilst I was uh, still in school. So I was 16, working in a supermarket. And normally they didn't tax me because I was earning not very much because I didn't work for very many hours a week because I was in full-time education, obviously. So when I did some extra hours over the summer to earn some extra money to save up to go on holiday, they robbed me. They, they, They took a huge percentage of that money away under some emergency tax code just because I'd done this, this extra work. And When I realised they weren't going to give it back, that I had to pursue them to get it back, I was stunned. I was 16, so I didn't realise how things... I was gutted. I I really thought that the government were good people and that we should pay our taxes to help out people who are not as fortunate as ourselves. I was born into a council flat, the daughter of a bin man, so I don't really know why I thought I was privileged. But anyway, um, that's, that's, that was the first time I realised that things were, were not quite as they seemed. But the brainwashing was good because I'd come from very, very humble beginnings. 
it literally says on my birth certificate that my dad is the occupation of the father refuse collector. So, uh, so nice. to, they managed to get me to, you know, by the age of 16, thinking that I should be giving my money to other people to help other people who are not as fortunate as I am. Um, yeah, we might need to look right. at that, mightn't yeah. we? So that was pretty much what did it for me. That's, that began okay. my journey into thinking that there's something wrong with this. I eventually got the money back, though, I'm, yeah. I'm pleased to say. What you seem to be describing to me is that classical libertarian values, which I'm kind of a, I like a bit of straight talk. So instead of all the fancy stuff, to me, that is just keep your hands off other people and off other people's property. That's the basis of everything. Yeah. If you can do that, yeah. other people say, do no harm, take no, what's it? But I say, just keep your hands off other people. You could say, don't steal. The golden rule is don't steal. Yeah, yeah, precisely. Yeah. Yeah, it works the same way, right? Yeah. Keep your hands off other people and their property. And yeah. if that's your guiding principle, then you can't really go too far wrong. It's a good starting place, no? Yeah. You mentioned earlier, correct me if I'm wrong, that your youngest is about to make the leap from primary school to secondary school in September. And I think, if I remember rightly, you expressed a little bit of trepidation about that. Can you tell us some more, please? Yes, um, he's due to move into, um, it's a local school to us, but it's one of those science academy ones. So they're more into their engineering and science to try and get him into the dockyard of all, of all places, which I don't mind, but I'm not, if they wanted to join the armed services, I would have probably, I would have a problem with it. But yeah, so he's very bright, outgoing kid who like, gets on with all the, likes his mates. He likes to, you know, be part of the gang and all that sort of stuff which is good but so a lot of his friends are going to the school and I and I don't really want him to go there but you know he, he wants to go there so he can have a social life with his friends really and I feel sort of bad if I didn't send him so I've we've sort of got him a place and now it's just a matter of seeing what happens whether or not you know we, we send him or not or whether I give him a chance and, and see how he turns out but I'm a little bit concerned he's gonna you know because a lot of the people where I, I live in a sort of a little bit deprived area to be honest of Plymouth and uh, a lot of the kids around here haven't got two parents they're you know they haven't, they haven't got the best values they're not I'm worried that my son might you know get into the wrong crowd and that, that's one of the things I'm worried about but I can't keep him around me all the time but I'm just trying to teach him I want him to be a leader I want him to use the knowledge that I'm trying to give him to better himself and not just dumb himself down to try and be in the in the gang sort of thing. Sounds like peer pressure's kind of got a lot younger if that makes sense what, what I mean by that is it used to be more of a teenage thing, more of a secondary. Peer pressure gets big in, in secondary school, but it would seem to me that he's already, you're saying that he his social group is, is so focused around school already and he, he wants to be with his mates. Like I didn't really feel that until much, much later, I don't think. But now maybe I'm just out of date. Maybe this is a newer yeah. kind of development where, where children of a young, much younger age are becoming overly influenced by, by their peers. What do you think? What do you make of that? I think so, yeah. I think... Everything's changed, really. When I was younger, that we used to go out and play. But now it's everything seems to be phone based. People aren't going out so much. My daughter's sort of going out a bit more, but all they seem to want to do is buy bubble tea all the time, and they're obsessed with drink that sort of thing. But yeah, they, they don't really go out very much. So when they're in school, they're sort of you know playing. They only have about half an hour, I suppose. And and he has been going out with them recently and playing football. But there's a lot of fighting going on. It's not so bad. But you're definitely right. Since my daughter's been at secondary school, we've noticed some changes in, in her and what she's like a bit. And it's very difficult. They the way that she speaks, the attitude, and and it's yeah. I I, I would like personally to you know I've said it to my mother, like just sell up everything and just go in our motorhome and just travel around and just educate from the van. But it's a massive leap. <laughs> and it's a it would be. A, quite a confined space for having two kids so I might regret it but 
there's loads of things I want to do. It's just the practicalities of it and just, you know, a bit of a coward really in some ways that then don't have the balls to just spike the bullet and just saying, I'm going to do it in case it goes wrong. <laughs> yeah, often it's a real common problem with parents who are aware that they ought to perhaps be educating at home because they don't want to lose their children to the system because in a way the peer pressure is just another it's just another version of the system. It's just another byproduct. It's a helpful byproduct to the yeah. system that yeah, I know. children want to be alike. They want to fit in, particularly as you go through that difficult patch in your teens. Mm. And I, a lot of parents are frightened because it, you get one shot at parenting and, and education. And I, I kind of, whilst I appreciate some of the fears and some of those sentiments, what I what I always say is, well, if it goes wrong, you can always send them back to school because in law, the state is required yeah. by law to find your child a school place. They are responsible. They are mm. accountable for that. The parent is in charge of their son or daughter's education. That's defined in law. But the school, the council, the local authority, by law, has to find a place for your child in a school if you decide that you wish them to go to one. And that's kind of, I think we don't think of it that way round. We seem to mistakenly yeah, think of yeah. it as oh, but what if they what if they can't go back to school if i make a mess of the home education how do i you know how will i get them back into a school and actually it's definitely not your problem it's in law it's in clearly defined law the education act and that's totally the local authorities problem yeah it's a good way of thinking about it i suppose it's just it's it's like where we're living right now and what the situation that we're in it's just i'm, I'm not i'm regardless of whether they're in school or not that i'm, I'm still worried about they're gonna have to possibly go make the same i almost feel like it's a waste of time i feel like people like looking back now although i i did do a fair bit of traveling but when i was in in the uk most of the time we spend our time drinking alcohol which is obviously legal because it's one of the most destructive drugs known to man i don't mind it occasionally but alcohol gambling pornography all the stuff that's put in in place deliberately to bring them down and stop them from developing and, and the food they're, they're getting they, they want to eat crap I'm, we don't let our kids drink fizzy drinks but give it away she She's, she'd have them though I, I said look you don't want to be eating e-numbers you don't want to be but as I was like they're going to have to make their own mistakes I'm slightly scared that and now I realise the mistakes I made it would have been better if, I'd, if it, the reality had been that the world was just the way it was because of you know just the way that people were rather than being the way it was it's because it's been engineered and made that way by a small cabal of people who have got control of pretty much everything all the you know seats of power in the world so I want my kids to be aware of that to the extent that they can, you know, perhaps avoid some of the pitfalls. But if all their mates are out going out and getting drunk and wasting their time and energy, then maybe that's what they'll do. So it's like the whole the whole culture is is poisoned. You mentioned motorhome, the idea of of doing a motorhome. That you're not the only person who's talked to me about that in recent weeks. Can you flesh that out a little bit? What, what what's the what's the dream behind that? Well, we we own we bought a motorhome. Our first motorhome we bought a couple of years ago. It was a little, um, really old one. I can't remember. And it was too small. So we upgraded and we got a loan to buy a new one. We've got a, a Heimer one now and it's just about six meters long. And it's got a little bunk bed from my son and my daughter sleeps underneath. And uh, we've got like the pull down cab. And we went, we did a tour of Scotland last year for a month. And we love driving around Scotland and it's just the freedom of it. And, it, and, if, and I want to get solar panels put on so we could be off grid and we can just go where we want. And I, like, I just like the idea of just getting the ferry across to France and just driving, even drive down to Turkey. I just like the idea of meeting people and educating the children. I've traveled a fair bit. Me and my girlfriend went 
when I was 18, I went, went to Australia. I bought a round-the-world ticket, so I went to Bangkok, Singapore, New Zealand, Bali, and, and we spent a year in Australia. And then we came back, we went to India for a couple of months, and we went to Thailand for a few more months. And then we've been to Argentina and South America, and we drove across America. So we spent a few years. And I think those traveling years, particularly when you meet different cultures and you see things doesn't have to be the way that we have it. You can have less, but be happy. And it's not all about just materialism and all the things that they're, you know, and, and the Kardashians and things like that. And it's, I'd love to be able to show them something a little bit different so that maybe it would shape them in, in, when they're older. Like, I think it shaped me. But yeah, that, that's the sort of the drive behind it. How interesting. There's, there's, a, there's a large motorhome culture here in France where I live. I'm down in the southwest. And we couldn't believe how many motorhomes visit, particularly in the spring and summer months, from all over, particularly, but yeah. most of them are French. Apparently, something like 75% of French travel and tourism is by French people, i.e. they holiday in their own country, <laughs> um, which, is, which is quite yeah. interesting. But you also get quite a lot of Dutch and Americans too, but with the motorhomes, it's the Dutch and the French, particularly the French. Mm. They, they, you've got a far better system in, in France so like you've got all these free areas you can fill up your water and, and do your waste it's far more set up for motorhoming in, in um, better set up than it is in, in England Scotland was a little bit better they're a bit more motorhome friendly but England's getting more and more unfriendly the the um, Dartmoor National Park near me is trying to change their bylaws just to, you know, to stop you from you know anyone sleeping over there for any reason and I don't I don't see why you should you know you should if you clean up your mess and that sort of stuff like most people do but they seem to want to make it more difficult the British government in general I think wants to make it difficult for people to be to not be in the system essentially I think but at least we can still homeschool I don't think is it legal to homeschool in France I don't know if they try to make it illegal but some places don't they it is legal here but only just uh because of so-called Islamist terror they banned homeschooling here a few years back. I think they outright banned it, if memory serves correct. Then there's been some pushback because, obviously, there are lots and lots of reasons why people wish to, wish to home educate their children. I mean, imagine, for example, if there yes. was uh, a dead... Imagine there was a deadly respiratory virus. Just imagine. Imagine it was sweeping the country. And imagine your child had severe asthma. Wouldn't it be reasonable to keep your child at home and educate them at home rather than send them into school? So all of these awkward questions began, you know, began legitimate questions based on the official government narrative, based on their own story. These are these were real That's questions. True. So there's, yeah. there's been some pushback. So what's happened here in France is you can now, if you appeal, if, if you apply for permission to home educate, then it may or may not be granted. And I think that providing your surname is French or English, you're probably going to be allowed to do so. I think the decision that's made is based purely on uh, prejudice, and it will be to do with whether they perceive that you may indoctrinate your child into a religion, which is kind of ironic, right. really, given that the state education system is the biggest religion slash cult going. Uh, interestingly, yes. Germany, it is absolutely verboten. Verboten? It is forbidden to educate your children at home in Germany. Surprise, surprise. Why could that possibly be? Yes, Germany. It's, it's shocking how bad that someone, a country like Germany, to go where they've gone again. It's just, and people don't see it either. I just find it amazing. When I was, I was pointing this out right at the start, the similarities that, that you could start to see between what was going on. And people would, I, you know, like I said, I think I said before, I, I got, someone wrote a letter to my employer because of what I put on Facebook. And all I'd done was suggest that the, uh, 
was it the, the vaccines will set you free and it turns out that's what they were after 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 they complained that that's what they said you need a vaccine passport but it's like you know it's it, the whole the whole thing is how it's got to the point you said about Trudeau earlier on the things that he comes out with and that people just accept now it's like I wonder that how how far it will go this is why I worry because all people need is to be scared enough and they'll accept anything as long as they believe that government is looking after them and that it's their friend. So that's all that they care about, really. I think they just need to keep this illusion going. It's like that Frankie Zappa quote we're talking about when, when, when they no longer require it, they'll just take away the uh, curtains and you'll see the, the, the brick wall at the back of the theatre. They're putting a lot of time and effort and it, the distractions, at the, all the stuff on Netflix, uh, the, the, all the... Hollywood crap that they're trying to distract us with to stop people from, you know, waking up to what's going on. It's so I, I see it almost as a positive. I went on a bit of a tangent there. I think. <laughs> no, it's all interesting that you sort of mentioned Netflix. I saw the other day that they were down thirty five percent in the uh, in the stock market. Why do you think that is? Yeah, because they're too woke, aren't they? I think they sort of go too far. They they sort of they get they get they they push it, and then they'll go they'll they'll go, they'll, they'll put some really ultra violent stuff on, or maybe they'll and then they'll go too far, and they'll start doing trying to get us to think, you know, like they'll cover like paedophilia or child abuse and trying to normalize that sort of stuff. Although those and they they make these shows, and then and then they'll take them off. There was someone else that got taken off. Oh yeah, that's that show that was there was a um, touring production that was supposed to be touring the UK. You may have heard about it, and it was teaching about sex. And it was it had nudity on there. We're talking about sex toys and all sorts. And it was, and they said in the adverts, um, children over five. And there was, and and there are some. And thank God, they, there is still a lot of most children is still sacrosanct. Is it sacrosanct? Is that the word? <laughs> um, but yeah. and, and people still, I think, that, yeah, basically they go too far. They, they they and even the woke crowd or there's or some of their people that are on on the sort of the fence. They think, oh wait a minute, Disney as well. Disney's just done the same haven't they disney's just gone too far with their you know saying that we're going to be putting in 50 percent of uh, you know transgender people into our mood into our cartoons and shit like that and it's just like it's all they, they just push it but i think they push it on purpose of course because then they then then the boundaries go further and then they'll try again in another year when they brainwash people a bit more and then you know it, it's a slow push isn't it this is why we're in the situation we are now we could never have had i don't think the the british people of 1960s or 70s would have put up with this crap that the that people in the uk are putting up with now they're they, we're a bunch of you know that most people are so compliant that you that there's nothing they won't do if government tells them to and it's and it's pretty you know it's embarrassing really for me you know because i know you used to be one but there's no excuse for it it's just it's just ignorance and cowardice really well said going back to somebody contacted your employer for something you wrote on facebook was this person known to you like what how did that happen who who was this person and and what happened I never found out who it was. They they didn't tell me because all they did. I found out because my I got a, I'd put something on Facebook. It was a picture of the Auschwitz gates, and above it I'd put the vaccine will set you free. And then someone said, "How dare you make comparisons with the Nazis to what's happening now?" My grand, you know, the normal. My granddad survived this or that, and I was like, I didn't even. I actually replied and said, look, you're misunderstanding what I'm saying. I'm saying that the similarities between it, they're, they're giving us conditions to our freedom, which in the, in the form of a vaccine and a passport. But still, it angered someone. Yeah, I got my boss called me, said, look, we have to deal with this because it's gone to the, you know, it's gone to the head office. And, you know, it's quite a big thing, the land registry. It's like, so they, so they basically asked me to, um, it, they said, if I put my um, Facebook profile to friends only, that they'd, it would be okay. They asked me politely to do so. They didn't want to tell me to. But they asked me if I could, you know, do that, and because they, 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 you know, they, they're supposed to support free speech, of course. But 
yeah, so yeah, so I didn't get in too much trouble for it. I had, luckily because I've got decent um, line managers that supported me. But in some places, that would have been enough to sort of get you sacked. Unfortunately, these days, you know, and this is this is what they this is what people try to do. They they're so dumb and they're so brainwashed and they're so scared that they anyone who sort of makes them feel a, a little bit feel something inside because they're dead inside. They like to just attack them and get rid of them and and, and punish them because. Yeah, they're they're at, you know they're dead inside. <laughs> Essentially, it's lots of people like that. But it's you know I, I'm trying to be compassionate with them a bit. But these people are going to be are going to cause you know not only themselves to be enslaved, but also me. And I'm trying to to prevent it by speaking out. And I'm not doing myself any favors. I haven't got any friends left on Facebook anymore. And you know I don't really see any very many people. You know I, I can't I don't really go out anywhere. When I do go places, if I start talking about anything of any importance. They don't want to know. It's, it's just, yeah, it's, it's, it's mental what's happening. But I'm glad in a way I'm alive because, you know, at least I can say I'm trying to do something in one of the most pivotal moments in, in I would say, probably recorded history. What's, what's coming in the next eight to ten years, or six, six to eight years maybe, is where it's either going to be a complete slavery system or we're going to actually perhaps have freedom. But yeah, Real freedom, that would be a thing, wouldn't it? I think you're we're spot on with your analysis with regard to you know vaccine passports will set you free your vaccine will set you free it's a, it's a, I think it's a valid point and what I don't understand is would it because what happened was so horrific in the way that it has been described and related to us why wouldn't other people want canaries in the coal mine why wouldn't we value people who are extra super vigilant against those kinds of monstrous things beginning Shouldn't we be grateful as a society for people who say, uh, excuse me, do we not think that's, uh, you know, wrong? Isn't that leading down a path that, you know, Mr. Hitler took the Germans back in the 1930s? I want people. I want vigilant people. I want that canary. I want canaries everywhere saying, watch out, warning, warning. This, you know, this censorship is dangerous. Censorship is how it begins. Why do, why do people, why did, why does Joe Public not value those vigilant people like yourself who are pointing out this could go down a very, very dark path? Why do they not appreciate you? Because I think either they're moral relativists, well, either way, they, they don't they don't have a concept of right and wrong. They're, they're supporting immoral actions and entities because they're scared and they believe them. But it doesn't change the the, the truth. And, that, and I think that's why they they don't they don't like it. They they see people doing things that they know they should be doing, and it makes them feel bad. And rather than address that by having some balls and 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 trying to re- work out why they're so scared and what's happened to them in their lives to to mean that they they cower when they see a policeman or as soon as the government sends them a letter they you know, or even even doctors actually I know older people they have some reverence for NHS doctors most of which have been jabbing people indiscriminately for you know knowing that these things are killing people yet you know it's a it's a it's a deference a reference for people it's brainwashing belief they need to be ruled fear and yeah, and I think they just uh, maybe it's yeah, it's just je- maybe jealousy and a little bit of oh, they wish like because when, when I used to be in when I well when I used to be in the office at the land registry even years ago when we used to have board members come down and they used to come down and everybody used to be all scared of them and I used to just straight out asking quite asking really difficult questions and, and they used to say oh oh uh, you know why aren't you why aren't you scared of just I said because I stopped being scared when I realised. <laughs> what's the, the actual truth you know what I mean it's like but it's yeah fear and ignorance is the answer I would say <laughs> and yeah and wanting and not wanting and yeah feeling bad and then punishing people or ignoring them do you think it's a possibility that in the future 
that children will be denied access to education if they do not have this jab or that jab. It's already happened in places like Canada, America, Australia, of course, not all areas. Some states in the US are all right, but some are clearly not. Do you ever see something like that possibly coming to Britain? I don't know, because the education system is so does such a good job of dumbing down children and, and turning out like a completely passive people. I wonder whether they would want to encourage more homeschoolers because I think they, in other countries we've seen as more and more people are, w- are waking up, we are seeing an uptake in homeschooling all over the world, aren't we? So I think they'd be, I think they'd be loath to sort of give anyone, anyone more of an excuse to, to do so because although on the other hand, while well, you've got parents taking those kids out of school because they're being basically bribed and it's not because the, inherently the system is brainwashing their children, I suppose it's not really going to change. I think people have to be really aware of what the education system is. And, and you, said the, you said a word the other word earlier on that's perfect. Ob, ob, yeah, it's like they obfuscate it. It's the, the real purpose of state education is to ensure our children are compliant don't really cause any problems and just become cogs in the machine. But, but yes, yeah, but people don't realize that. So while they still believe that underlying thing, then I don't think anything the government say, because they'll only be taking actions based on not, not the reason. Not the, it's like when people give up and people stop eating meat because, you know, they think it, you know, they think cows are uh, putting CO2 out and not because it's actually, you know, wrong to harm animals. You may not agree with this point, but, you know, but, but yeah, it's, it's like giving up doing things for the wrong reasons, but not really realizing the, the, to me, that the ultimate truth and the ultimate thing that people need to know is the objective difference between right and wrong. Once you've established that and you base your life accordingly, you can choose to do wrong actions. But most people now have got no idea. They they honestly believe that that like you know that rights exist that 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 don't exist, and they believe that people are people are doing things that are right when they're wrong. And and it's like you know, people are confused deliberately, so of course, by the people that are running the world that have made it so. There we go, another long, long answer. <laughs> Earlier this week, Nadim Zahawi announced, I think it might have been yesterday, he announced his uh, new GCSE history about climate change. Well, what do you make of that? Oh, don't get me started on climate change. Honest. I, the whole, the idea, the very idea that, that, that people have been led to believe that carbon dioxide is... Is a is a is a poison. When when I I know personally from personal experience, I've grown I've grown some some particular plants inside, and you, and if you put CO two in there, they grow more. CO two is a is a it, it's it's makes things grow more. That this whole thing is a is a another psyop, and it's a very clever one. They it started off you know long time ago, of course, and when you can go back and look at you know the, is it like Maurice Strong and all these people that started all this stuff, but they it's got to a point now where a whole generation of people now blindly believe, and you can quite easily show that none of this stuff is like every prediction they make never comes true. All their modelling is based on crap data, which is why they get crap stuff out. Very similar to the COVID stuff. But again, if you get scientists to say stuff enough times, people just believe it. And climate change itself, it's like, what does it even mean? It's like, of course it's climate change. You can't, oh, you're a climate denier. What, a climate, I'm denying that climate changes. People are just moronic. And it's very difficult to have a conversation with them because as soon as I start to cite any sort of research that I've done on it, they just don't. They just go blank, and and, and they, they haven't got the capacity or the or the ability to be able to sit down and read a scientific paper, look at what they're actually reading, and realise it's nonsense. 
in, and I never used to be able to do it, but this is what people can't do. And I, so my answer to that is, it's more brainwashing. They want to, they, they're probably going to start saying that, you know, that we started changing the world as soon as we were on the planet by lighting fires. They'll, 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 they'll ban fires in the end. They'll ban us from driving. They'll get us to ban ourselves from driving because people are so gullible and so... I've been of that communist sort of spirit. I'm going to do be a great person to save the planet, and they're and they're just dummies, and I, and I, and the world's full of them. And uh, and yeah, I'll you know I've teach my children about I'm very clear with them about global what global warming is, and uh, how you know how, what it's going to be used for, and what they already are using it for. They're already saying, um, oh, we might have to cut down on our foreign holidays. We might have to stop driving on a Sunday. We might have to stop doing this. We might. We might have to start paying thirty thousand pound a year to upgrade our houses so they don't produce too, too much carbon. <sighs> what can you say? Uh, at this point, the government could could say anything and people believe it. It's mental. My theory is that it happens in schools. That the hardware is installed during the school years, and the software downloads continue via social media and television programming and other things like Netflix and so on. Absolutely. I actually think all of the sort of hardware that is is actually hammered home during those school years. I don't suppose Nadim Zahawi's uh, GCSE history in climate change will mention the fact that only 0.04%, of the Earth's atmosphere is made up of carbon dioxide. And of that, the, the human contribution is a, fra- a fraction of. How much difference could that even make? I know, it's mental. <laughs> <laughs> but water vapor, they don't even look at what they look at. Water vapor is the big, it's the biggest greenhouse gas. Like, yeah, they don't, no one cares about that. And no one's even, no one's interested. They get told by scientists, the, the, the gods in the white coats, and they, and they haven't got the time, the inclination, or any other reason because they're too busy watching Netflix or, or gambling or watching porn to, to actually look into anything that might actually save their lives because, or make their lives better because our lives are just going to go downhill from here. We've got green levies being charged on our, bills <laughs> and we've got these windmills being built that don't even work and they use copper and they and they, they can't be recycled yet people think they're the best thing since sliced bread it, it's just it, that when it gets to the level of this much deception you, either something massive has got to happen or I, want, I wonder whether we can even you know get get out of this now because it's going too far it's, it's going to the point now where they're really going to start making some massive changes on our lives under the guise of climate change and oh no putin of course is to blame for the fact that we're going to have food shortages which they have engineered of course this is again what i was saying before as long as people don't believe that the reason isn't as long as people believe that their saviors are government and not the ones that have caused it they can blame putin as much as, as much as the government's quite happy they can blame putin and then once people are queuing for food the government will say oh, wait a minute we're going to have to stop the money supply Bring in the central bank digital currency, and there we go. Now you can have everything you want, as long as you basically let us own you. And, it, and they'll fall right into it because the government creates the situation; they provide the solution, and the gullible public don't know that the government have done it. Same, you know, that thing that David Icke says—that problem-reaction-solution thing—it uh, just gets done over and over again, and people keep falling for it over and over again. And I get, and I have to keep watching it over and over again, and it's. Yeah, soul-destroying. Turkey's voting for Christmas. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they, they want to vote in another, another ruler. That's what schools do. They, they ensure that the government is always voted for. Yes, yes. Doesn't matter the colour of the party, doesn't matter the policies. Nope. State schools ensure that the state is always voted for. Yeah. 
that's how it works. That's yeah. that's how the system does it. Tell me, there's one thing I have to I have to pull you on from earlier, which I, sh- I should have been quicker. I apologise. You, you said, oh, I'm a bit of a coward. Now, I know that that's not true because you've had a scrape recently or relatively recently with, I think, the county council. And I think you've been extremely brave. And I could, can, you t- can you flesh that out for, for the listeners? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I had a, in, in June, no, it was May 2021, I had a, um, a letter from Plymouth City Council saying that they were fining me for littering and they include they attached a, a, a picture of the litter in and it was a, a bit of cardboard an Amazon box it was about a meter long and about half a meter wide and it had my name and address on it and it was in my back lane which is where I keep my bins like literally right next to the bin someone had obviously taken out of the bin and, and it was in, in the lane so they sent them a picture of it and they said you we you owe us a hundred pounds for littering, <laughs> so I tried to reason with them. I I I contacted the lady who gave me the ticket, and she said that she couldn't do anything. I emailed their supervisor, who essentially told me that um, it didn't matter what the reason was. They would they would pursue every single one of them. It didn't matter. So because I was told I had to write a letter to someone, and in that and then in her reply, I would, she basically said it didn't make any difference. So they so the council pursue every single claim regardless. And and so even though I, I said look I pick up later with my kids, it's got my name and address on it. I'm not a moron. Why would I dump a bit of litter outside my home with my name and address on it? it makes no difference. And in the end, I had to go to magistrate court and um, and I and I. And they um, set a date and the council said they had some more evidence which they were going to provide to me. And they left me waiting, thinking, well, what's going on here? You know, I knew I, knew I, I, knew I hadn't done it, but you, you make, they make, they, the whole time they were playing psychological games with me. And in the end, I had to chase this, the, the, the lawyer to say, look, where's this evidence? Because I'm supposed to be going to court. In, uh, they set a court date for February. And, uh, and a few days later, he got back to me and said, oh, yeah, we haven't got any more evidence. We're dropping the case. And so they left me waiting for months. And, and when I was in actually in magistrate's court, they made a point. I think they did it deliberately as well. I think they probably do it every time. He, he whispered to the magistrates, but so I could hear it, that they had a bit more evidence which they were going to provide later. And I think that like, spooks people to think, oh, well, what's this evidence they might have? The, the whole thing. And, and, and in the end, for them to just drop it like that. And it, so the, the whole thing was just bureaucracy out of control and it's just revenue creation same as the, the speeding fine i just got for going 36 miles an hour on a 30 mile an hour road a road <laughs> this whole place and then if i say to someone about it whoa you shouldn't have been speeding it's like, oh god okay good one <laughs> yeah so yeah that, that was that i must say with the council thing i did have to i, I was a bit because when you get letters they they were saying it's gonna it could cost you up to two thousand pounds and even though i, I don't believe in authority i know what authority is still when the magistrates are sat there they're above you they make you stand up they make you refer to them as mom and all that sort of stuff so i had to really uh make an effort not to to, because i don't i don't buy into any of it but obviously you can't i can't be rude to those people because it would be silly but yeah so that was a good it was a good learning experience for me it made me realize that you know the what the government it really reiterated really what government is what and it's just basically just rule by force and just do what we say just to be clear, you were brave because you didn't have to go to court. You could have done what 99.9% of, of other people would have done and just paid the fine to make the, the hassle and the stress go away. Yeah. And you chose, didn't you? You chose to, to, I will go to court if I have to. And when you get to court, it's all smoke and mirrors. 
Yeah, it is. I the, well, the, law, the the solicitor for the council was there when I got to court, and he and and I said from the start, look, I'm not going to admit I've done something I haven't done. I've got two children. I'm not going to set that example to them that that I'm a litterer, and that if you get threatened with with enough money or, or that whatever that that you'll just it's like in America they do that. They they get people people to to admit to a crime they haven't done because they say we've got so much evidence that you'll go away for it's just that's it was that sort of thing and when i said to the lawyer in there he said so how are you going to plead i said not guilty he was he was still shocked he said we still advise you to plead and uh, not plead guilty as early as possible so he even then and he gave me no clue whatsoever and then he just and they still left me for weeks and weeks afterwards knowing very well they had no evidence and it was basically they were just hoping like 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 you said it must be a high number for for that for the council to be able to take every single one of them to conclusion we got we got bearing in mind magistrate fees i imagine it must be a tiny fraction that would take it the whole way so yeah it's mad but yeah i wouldn't it's good. i i stick to my principles there good for you they certainly weren't expecting that were they no, no. I, I was tempted to go back because they said I didn't have to attend the actual hearing. I, I, I almost wanted to go back there and just say, look, I'm, I'm here because just to, I want to show you what a waste of time this was. I should have gone, really, but I think I was away on holiday or something, so I didn't go. But, yeah, I didn't want to face them again, bloody magistrates. Well, power to you, and thank you for doing that um, from the bottom of, because if it, if it wasn't for people like you pushing back and saying no, and not ha- we're not having this, yeah. then we would be in an even bigger mess than we're already in right now, wouldn't we? Yes, indeed. No is the most powerful word. We, we all need to learn when and where to use it and, and with much more frequency and, and much more confidence, I think. Yes, it's powerful, yeah. So I'm going to round up there. Thank you very, very much indeed for coming to join us and telling us um, your various stories about uh, the council and, and so on. No I really worries. appreciate you sharing that with us. No is worries. there anything that um, you haven't had a chance to say that you would really like to? Is there something that I might have missed? Or is there anything that you would like to leave us with? Is, is there a message or something that, that you would like to say? Not really, no. Just to say that, that I appreciate uh, your work. You, you're doing the great work, edu- educating people uh, how to educate themselves and their children. And this is what everybody needs to be doing. Everybody needs to be, you know, doing their best to educate others. And so it's, uh, yeah, power to you for, for the, what you're doing, the, the great work, the most important thing. Thank you. I really appreciate that. We're, I, I see myself as attacking the roots. I'm attacking the root cause of the problem. Yes. Sheeple are made in schools. Absolutely, yes, yes. And I'm going to do everything in my power to stop that process from continuing. Yeah, and that's the only way it can change it. Because we've got a generation now, when I see them, they're all, they don't know anything. They believe everything they're told. Greta Thunberg's their hero. And it's like, come on, seriously? I'll give a how dare you, how dare you. (laughs) How dare you? I shouldn't even be here. I should be at home. (laughs) Frightening, absolutely shocking. I, actually, one last thing. I, I did. I did make a. When I was in in work, I used to make um, heads on sticks when when I was bored, and uh, sometimes, and, and I made one of Greta Thunberg, but with her angry face, and I used to hold it up when people got on my nerves, say, "How dare you!" Put her, put her face up. I love it. I love it. Uh, an eighteen-year-old. She she can't have spent very much time in school, can she? With all of the uh, fame that she was uh, gallivanting around the world, seeking in her younger years, so. She can't even possibly have studied all of these things, can she? No, it's nonsense, isn't it? It's a joke. <laughs> Listen, thank you very much indeed. I really, really appreciate your time. No worries. And uh, do come back on with us. And, and I want to hear about more motorhome adventures. Yeah. And I also want to hear about progress, how things are with, with the children later on as 
as you get towards that time, whether your son does decide to to make the leap or, or not. It'll yes. be really interesting for us to find out. In So do come back on with us so we can we can learn some more. Lovely. Yes, will do. Cheers, James. My pleasure. It's been good. Take care. Bye-bye. See you later. Bye. Take back your individual sovereignty and that of your family. Visit sarahplumley.substack.com and subscribe for free to stay up to speed with all things education, not indoctrination.